Hello and welcome to Look for the Helpers, an ICT SOS podcast. My name is Amber Gonzalez, the Education Coordinator for ICT SOS. When our favorite neighbor Fred Rogers was a boy and would see scary things in the news, his mother would say to him, look for the helpers. You will always see people helping. Today, the helper we are looking to is Katrina Breeden. Katrina is a clinical marriage and family therapist who provides trauma-informed individual, couple, and family therapy. Katrina's mission is to aid and assist the healing process one relationship at a time. Katrina specializes in survivor-centered treatment and values the importance of healing in order to strengthen individual and family connections. Katrina has earned her Master's of Science degree in Marriage and Family Therapy and a Bachelor's degree in Psychology. She has over 13 years of clinical experience working in a variety of settings, including private practice, school-based treatment, a nursing and rehabilitation facility, a residential treatment facility for adolescent girls, and providing in-home family therapy for families involved in the child welfare system. Katrina is most passionate about working with survivors of trauma, as well as individuals and families struggling to manage the symptoms of borderline personality disorder. She believes that obtaining healthy and effective coping skills can mean reclaiming your joy and sense of balance in your life. Welcome to our podcast today, Katrina. Thank you. I'm Thank so excited to be here. I am so excited <laughs> that you made the time to come and be here with us. Um, also at the table today is our executive director, Jennifer White. Hello. So thank you for being here again. Always. <laughs> um, I just want to start this conversation by backing way up before we dive into a whole lot of conversation, because we'll have a lot of conversation today, um, by asking, how are you? This has been the craziest year how are you doing? I agree. Um, 2020 has just been like nothing we've ever really experienced. And, and I guess just speaking for myself, we've had um, just so many tragedies after tragedy, after um, heartache, and then after, you know, pandemic and illness. And um, it's just been quite a challenge just to just deal with um, mentally. Um, and I think um, our community mentally is, has suffered greatly because of that. Um but for personally, how am, I, how am I? I think that I am living in a space where I'm focused on the moment mm -hmm. and trying to just, just do one day at a time, complete one thing at a time, complete one um, interaction as, at a time. Because I think right now with, with the amount of stress that we're feeling as a community, as a, as a world, as a nation, it, we can just get so lost in the stress of it all. Um, and so that's kind of where my focus has been is, is really just slowing down, being in the moment. Um, the pandemic has been um, challenging for a lot of people, but I think a lot of families have, have also really taken a hold of it um, in terms of just being a, a way to reconnect, which I've mm -hmm. been so impressed with how families have been able to do that. And so that's something I'm focused on right now mm -hmm. as well, reconnecting mm -hmm. and being in the moment with my, my family. Hmm. Yeah. Um, gosh, I hear that right. I needed that good <laughs> reminder right there of like one moment at a time. Yes. <laughs> Take this moment because you're right. It just feel it feels like the whole year of 2020 is just kind of sitting on our shoulders. Agreed. It feels very overwhelming. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I'll go over to you, Jen, if that's okay with you. How are you today? Yeah, I'm I'm good. So um, you know, kind of like Katrina was saying, I think there's just there's so many things coming at everybody all at once. And um I love that you talk about the like individual interactions and, and kind of focusing on that, um, kind of going back to the, the theme of, of our podcast. That was one of the things that, um, you know, all the way back in the sixties and seventies, Fred Rogers was, um, very adamant about, uh, making those individual connections, um, in every situation that he was in. And so I think that is something that is coming out of, what's going on right now, which I think is really great. And then just the time to reconnect with, um, with nature, with family. Mm -hmm. I spent most of my weekend in a kayak, so, um, I'm feeling pretty good today. We did 11 <laughs> miles down the river, about four and a half hours on the water yesterday. So I'm a oh, little wow. sunburned, but, <laughs> but much more relaxed. So nice. I'm, I'm good today. 
That's good. How are you, Amber? Oh, thank you for asking. <laughs> I'm doing good, too. I did the same thing yesterday. I tried to get some sunshine. Um, a little bit of what you were saying. Yeah, I've. it's been such an interesting time to be at home in the pandemic. Um, I met more neighbors than I've ever met. Nice. Because we were kind of like, we really needed connection. And I have um, specifically a set of neighbors who are just just a wonderful family looking for that connection. And they gathered our little cul-de-sac um, at the end of our drives um, every night for a week. And then once a week for a while to just say a prayer together, to mm-hmm. be together, to meet each other. And so I really feel more connected to the people that I'm closest to in proximity. Um, so that's really been interesting. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a weird season of life, but I'm doing okay too. So we'd gotten so yeah. far away from that. You know, I, where I lived before, um, I didn't know any of my neighbors mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, the house to one side was a rental. And so it kind of turned over every once in a while. And the house to the other side, I think, um, he maybe worked third shift or something and we just didn't, didn't connect with them. And, um, I moved into Riverside recently, which, you know, is such a cool neighborhood anyway. And, I think just because people are home and, you know, out walking their dogs or taking a walk with their kids and, um, and partly just because it's Riverside, uh, it's been really neat to connect with the people on my block. Cause I can remember being a kid and knowing everybody in the neighborhood mm-hmm. and, you know, somewhere, somewhere we lost that. And so it's neat to see that kind of coming back, which I hope we, I hope we hold on to that. Yeah. When all of this craziness eventually. I, I agree. I think um, one thing I've noticed is that just even just going simple things like going to the grocery store, how overly kind I think people are trying to be, mm. you know, when you have a mask on, it takes away so much of your facial expression. And so you can't really see if someone's smiling at you or if they're giving you a head nod or whatnot. And so I think even myself, I've tried to, you know, kind of just coach my, my children to be kind of overly compassionate mm. just because so much of your face is covered. Yeah, yeah. And so we're just speaking often. We're waving all the time. And, and that's been really cool to see. I, I think it, it's that simple act just passes passes on from person to person. Mm-hmm. So that's been fun to do. That's interesting that you say that now that you say that I have done the same thing and I didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. I've smiled at people, but I'm like, oh, they can't see right. me smiling. So I should <laughs> make my eyes squint a little right. more. Like, can they see exactly. something? Yeah, yeah. See, I feel like the world is just finally catching up with my awkward, overly friendliness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, everybody's getting on my level. That's probably exactly what's happening. <laughs> like, come love join it. me. And those of us with social anxiety like me. <laughs> I've been hiding at home and then I get out and I'm, I'm catching up. I'll catch up. So proud of you. I'll get there. I'll get there. Uh, The next thing I wanted to ask, because we're, we're going to be talking about mental health today um, on a lot of different levels, I'm sure, um, would be something that's very central to mental health is self-care. Yes. What does self-care look like for you during this season? So that's such a great question and and something I am a firm believer in, not only from your, um, self-care mentally but physically what you're eating um so one thing that i've been focused on is is really just my physical health and and i mean from inside out so i try really hard to work out at least three to four times a week um i've recently switched over from evenings to mornings which uh, you know initially is is tough it's tough to think about it's tough to do but once i'm out of the bed and at the gym my the rest of my day is just it's 10 times better. Mm. It is just a different world. The morning time for me is a different world now. And so that's one thing I've really been focused on doing. Um, while I am at the gym, what I used to do is just kind of throw in some music and just kind of zone out. But I've really been focused now on, you know, more books or more podcasts mm-hmm. and and really kind of um, enriching my mind in that way. Um, so the physical health is really, really important for my self-care. Um, my eating um, has been really um, key as well. But then also your rest. I always tell my clients like your rest is really the muscles for which you have to to regulate emotions. And so if you're sleeping or eating is off, you're going to be more emotionally vulnerable to any mm-hmm. kind of environmental stressors. And so, um, you know, I don't just preach things to the people that I see or my patients. I also want to do it. Um, and so that's kind of what I, I try to walk it like I talk it. So <laughs> I apparently need to be hearing this today because I'm drinking a Coke Zero and y'all don't know that I have a bag of beef jerky 
and some sugared man- dried mango in my mouth. Okay. For my life. It could be worse. I feel so convicted you could, you right could be now. Worse. <laughs> I feel so convicted. No, that's that's very true. That's so true. Um, what are you listening to and and reading right now? You said you're doing some podcasts mm-hmm. or kind of some listening. What's what do you what have you got on your queue? Yeah, so um no judgment here, but a lot of times I'm listening to um obviously a lot of mental health um kind, sure. kind of work. Um I listen to a lot of Dr. Phil. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, with it which there's some things I agree with, you yeah. know, how he works and some things I don't, but I always think that he is very good at the end of the day with helping people give it, you know, as far as just giving them a little bit of hope. Mm. And so if you can't do anything that uh, other than that, I think giving hope is, is key. Mm. Um, so I listened to a lot of, um, his podcast, um, on the way over here, I was listening to, um, a, um, clinical psychologist. Her name was Theopia Jackson. Um, and she is out of, um, I believe it's Sanser University. I'm not quite sure where that's at. Um, but she um, has just done some phenomenal work just around um, some like child psychiatry um, and then also or child psychology and then also just work with um, African-American families mm-hmm. and, and culture and, and racism and things like that. And um, she has some really profound thoughts. Um, so I've been listening to a lot of her. Um, when I am in a mode where I just my mind is going quicker Mm -hmm. (laughs) than I'd like for it to go. And I can't Mm -hmm. really focus and I'll just throw on some music, but Mm. yeah, for Mm -hmm. sure. I'd like to listen to podcasts that are, that are uh, aligned with kind of my mission and, you know, Mm -hmm. my work and, and just try to see how I can push it forward and pay it forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's a shift. I've, I think a lot of people have made too from, um, well, maybe just because it's more available now, the podcasts and the audiobooks and things um, from just, you know, throwing some music in your ears and yeah. zoning out, especially at the, at the gym. Um, I don't, well, I have more time now, but a lot of times I don't have a lot of time to sit down and read a book, yeah. um, but I'll listen in the car at the gym or things like that. And I think that's a shift that a lot of people are making right mm-hmm. now too. Yeah. I found that even with my workouts, when I'm listening to a podcast or something, it doesn't seem as long. (laughs) So if I'm like training, trying to do a three mile on the treadmill and I'm listening to something, then, you know, it feels like maybe 15 minutes. I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, yeah, I can get into that. (laughs) This is, this is the way I need to go. Yeah. Yeah. I have a hard time. Um, when I'm listening to something, I have to take breaks from what I'm listening to because my mind starts spinning off on whatever, that was and again like you I liked how you said my when my mind is like moving too fast Mm -hmm. that's where and that's where I have to like okay switch back to music so I can kind of and then kind of jump back and forth yeah that's good yeah Yeah, that's what I have to do with that (laughs) (laughs) okay so we're kind of on this topic one of of listening and learning to stuff so if you have any other resources or things that you are loving right now that you'd like to share we can put those in our show notes Um, and then again this is all kind of wrapped up in mental health right now Mm -hmm. and mental health is extremely important right now I feel like it's kind of on the forefront of some conversations that I'm seeing a lot of articles I'm seeing some things in the news of people having conversations um, one regarding this pandemic Mm -hmm. a lot of us being at home or the social distancing is is a whole other realm of mental health, right? Of being away from people. Um, but then what has happening in our communities right now um, as regards to what I feel like sparked with the death of George Floyd and then protests that have happened um, and what is happening in communities. So let's just kind of talk about mental health right now. And I want to hopefully land on some resources and things if you have any. Yeah. Um, Maybe I should, I don't know what a good question, way to to word this question is, but maybe what are you seeing right now with your clients or mental health or what, what does this look like right now? How can we navigate this? Well, if we just want to kind of start with the pandemic and then maybe move a little bit more current. So um, with the pandemic, um, I think there was this initial panic um, because of the idea of social distancing, you know, as humans, we are wired to connect um, with people and, and to not be able to do that is quite frightening for a lot mm-hmm. of people. Um, with some of the patients that I have seen, I've been quite impressed with just their management of it, 
mm-hmm. of, of the, the stress of the pandemic. It's really kind of um, funny. Some of them have said, y'all, I've been stressed, you know, for a long time. Like, y'all just need to catch up to <laughs> us. Like, we've been doing new. this, you know, <laughs> nothing new. Um, and so some of them handled it quite well. And mm-hmm. then there's others that really, really did fall into a panic or even just mm-hmm. this sense of fear or terror. Mm-hmm. Because when they're not connected to people, you are vulnerable mm-hmm. for um, your impulses to increase. Um, and that might look like drinking. That might look like, um, you know, getting into different um, uh, self-harming behaviors, mm. um, porn um, we've seen on a, on a rise just kind of with some of the um, exclusion of, of being connected to other people. Financially, people are were stressed at the time mm-hmm. and maybe, you know, still are. Mm-hmm. And so with any kind of stressors, you know that there is an increase of, of abuse as well. And so a mm-hmm. lot of families were at great risk for that. Um, and so we already kind of had this, this stressful um, uh, kind of pandemic that we are trying to manage. And then you have that coupled with, you know, the, and the social kind of uh, racial tensions that are going on right now as well. And, and ultimately, these two huge kind of, um, oh, what I want to call them, these huge crises mm. really just put everyone into a lot of grief. Mm. Everyone is grieving, mm-hmm. whether it's grief of, from your job, you know, to start, you know, at the simplest place mm-hmm. down to the grief of, of a loss of a, of a community member. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think what I what I want everyone to remember during this time as we kind of talk more in detail about it. But what I want everyone to remember is that we're all grieving and on the simplest, most human level, we want we want people to mourn together. Mm-hmm. And so as as we think about this grieving process, you know, you wouldn't um, say to a friend or a, uh, a a coworker that just get over it. You know, right. you wouldn't say that you would be kind, you would be compassionate, you would be patient with them. And I think as a community, that is where we need to start is mm-hmm. just understand that everyone is grieving on some sort of level. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's kind of, I think, where a lot of our attention can be focused. Mm-hmm. There's been so much loss for so many people this year, just in so many different ways, Um, you know, loss of jobs, loss of um, events, right? Mm -hmm. How many weddings and graduations and, you know, even birthday birthday parties for your kids, schools being shut down. Um, You know, there's, there's all of those things. And it almost feels like there's rather than that, well, maybe it's a balance, right? There is the the uptick and the kindness and the compassion and the empathy, but there's also this undertone of um, almost kind of trying to one-up each other of, you know, you're hurting, but I'm hurting worse because mm-hmm. I've had this, this, and this happen. <clears throat> and I think sometimes that's, um, you know, especially with, the the protests and the tensions and the things that we have now going on on top of the pandemic losses and and grief i think maybe that's where some of the the tension and and the lack of empathy and compassion for people is coming from because we've got so many people that can't see outside of their own hurt and pain to recognize that somebody else around them might be in pain in a different way. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think just to um, kind of validate that, I hope, Jen, is one of the things that I uh, believe in is is a middle path. And I think a lot of times what we do is we lock our mind into one or the other. Either you have to think this way and be this way, or you think this way or and be exactly. that way. And that's kind of like, you know, that black and white kind of thinking. And really, there is room for us all to coexist and all of our thoughts to coexist and our, all of our different, um, you know, experiences and feelings related to those experiences to coexist. One doesn't have to be right for the other to be right to. Mm-hmm. We can all coexist together. Mm. And that's something that we were talking about on the the episode right before yours with Terry Atwater is that, you know, there is such a us versus them mentality around a lot of things, right? Which doesn't leave a lot of room for that middle path, because if I'm going to win, then you have to lose mm-hmm. or vice versa. And I think that's someplace that we've really gotten to as a society um, politically, um, you know, around a lot of different issues is it's, things are so polarized, mm-hmm. but 
you know, maybe there's some room with everything that's going on with that little bit of extra kindness at the grocery store, things like that to for people to move back towards that, um, that middle path. I, I hope we see some of that come out of this. Yeah. Well, just kind of shifting a little bit into our youth. I think that is one thing that I'm most excited about them about, uh, about this upcoming generation is that they are very much middle mind thinkers. Our kids are so much smarter than we are. Agree. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. I agree. And so I'm, I'm hoping that, um, a lot of their, um, the courage that they have to do and bring people together the way that they have and that they are will um, kind of support a lot of that middle path thinking. I think that scares people, though. I think that scares people. And, and then you 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 kind of see the reaction as far as like a like a backlash almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think. I think we're shifting. I'm excited about the shift. I think we have a long way to go, um, but I, but I think things are shifting in the right direction in our generation. And I think probably the generation after them will will continue to move that and and move in the direction where we're all kind of coexisting together. Yeah, I, I think so too. I hope so. For um, just kind of for clarification for our listeners too, um, Katrina has served on our prevention education team from day one, mm-hmm. um, going into the classrooms and, and talking about, um, not only trafficking, but, um, just all of the issues that kind of encompass that, um, you know, healthy and unhealthy relationships and, and things like that. And anybody kn- that knows me knows that I'm a talker and I have to fill every space with all the words. <laughs> and Katrina does such a beautiful job of putting something out there, a question or a, a thought, Um, And then giving our kids the space to process it and um, come up with their thoughts and share those. And it's such a magical thing to watch you in a classroom um, because it does give that space for our kids to um, think about, you know, whatever the topic is at hand. And their responses are generally very thoughtful. very empathetic and mm-hmm. compassionate, which I don't think our kids get credit for. Agree. Yeah. Um, and so I think there there is a lot of hope. Um, I'm very excited about the kids coming up behind us. And and I said this in the last episode too. I get on this cheesy soapbox with the kids and I'm like, you guys are awesome. Like you have all this power that you don't know you have. Um and just try to kind of encourage them. But um I think we're seeing a lot of that now pushed to the forefront of conversations, um, because our, our kids are stepping into some of these roles of facilitating these, um, you know, national conversations Mm -hmm. on all kinds of different topics. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think a lot of our youth too, they, um, just kind of speaking on their, their courage, um, as far as their mental health, I think that we have to take their mental health just as serious as, as we do our own. Um, because they do have so much more access to the world than maybe we did growing up, and, and they are so brave in a sense, those two things together just create kind of this this fire mm-hmm. <laughs> underneath them. But I think... Um, because of the positions that they are in and the things that they have access to, their mental health is also going to be at a greater risk just because they are, um, they're doing things uh, that maybe we wouldn't at that age. And I think their courage to do so, it again, it just it just really places them in a greater risk. And, and I think for a good cause and, and you right. know, a, a bad cause um, or a risky cause, I mm-hmm. should say. Um, but I think their mental health, we need to pay attention to just as closely as our own. I think they um, are very wise in their language. They speak. I think if we can listen to them the same way that we would an adult and take them just as seriously the same way as we would um, our coworkers or our, our own parents or friends, I think they can really teach us a lot. I really do. As parents or, or maybe grandparents even raising kids right now, um, you know, like you said, they have so much more exposure to information. Um, obviously, we're all bombarded right now with bits and pieces of information, some that's credible, some that's not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even as adults, we're, we're trying to weed through that. Um, how as parents, um, or, you know, guardians or grandparents raising kiddos, how do you feel like we can help 
facilitate those conversations, give them the space to have that, but still recognize that, um, you know, they, they are kids. They're developmentally, a lot of times emotionally, um, intellectually, physically, um, they're still kids, but they're trying to process these really adult Mm -hmm. things. How do we help, help navigate that with our kids? Yeah. Great question. So first thing I would do is to remember that our kids are very resilient. Mm. Um, I think that even though the conversations may be tough for us as adults to handle, I think that our kiddos will be, they will be able to manage it again because they've already had so much exposure. The one thing I wouldn't do is not address it. Mm. Um, So one thing I've um, taught a lot on is just having family meetings. Mm. And so that is where you, this can be something very consistent or even if it's a one-time thing because of something like um, what's going on now kind of in our nation. Um, but you, it, it can be over dinner, but essentially you grab everyone, you get everyone together over popcorn or, or something. Um, food is always a good icebreaker. <laughs> um, but you get everyone together and, and you say, there are some really tough things going on in the world right now. What do you know about it? And mm. really just pose the questions back to the kiddos. And really just, again, it's back to just that listening and and valuing what they have to share because they're so wise, so wise beyond their years already. Um, and um, so something I um, was just kind of contemplating on sharing, but I will just because it's a personal kind of a story that is very recent also. Um, my daughter, she's um, only 11 but she recently had an experience where um, another um, kiddo had said to her, um, uh, why are you so black? And um, she was staying the night at a, at a friend's house. And so when I learned of the situation, you know, I obviously checked on her heart first. And I said, you know, well, what did you think about that? And she said, I just wish he was old enough to understand what was going on in the world right now. And I thought that that was just profound. It broke my heart, but just made me so proud of her. So proud of her. And I essentially think what she was wanting to say is that I just wish they understood that the color of your skin doesn't matter. Mm. It doesn't matter. We all should be treated equally. We all should be treated kindly. And so that, I think, is just a testimony that that just says our kids know and we, they just need the space to talk about it. Mm. Um, you know, and we all have our own views um, around certain issues. One of the things that I would also think about is just really... Um, maybe just seeing where your kids are at on the issue and maybe mm-hmm. offering your opinion and then saying, oh, but I want you to come up with your own. I want you to tell me what sits right with you. Mm. And why does that sit right with you? And how does that work with how our family works? You mm-hmm. know, And so really just kind of tying it all back together, but allowing them to really, really activate their own thoughts, their own heart, their own, you know, um, message that they want to present in the world. I just think our kids are just so wise and they would be Mm -hmm. able to probably help us facilitate those meetings better than we can Mm -hmm. facilitate them ourselves. And so, but the main thing is to just not be afraid to have it. We have to have these conversations with our children or otherwise the internet will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What a a compassionate response from your daughter too, from, you know, somebody that said something that could feel very hurtful Mm -hmm. to her for her to then go, you know, I wish that person understood better. That, that speaks a lot to you as a mom. Oh man, (laughs) she made me so proud. (laughs) So proud. That's, Mm. you know, maybe we can take a cue from, from some of those responses from our kids because they do, they get it much more than we give them credit for. We realize a lot of times, um, I've had some similar conversations with my daughter, um, who is very white (laughs) (laughs) Very, very white, you know, so not, she's not experiencing the, the world, um, you know, with people making comments about her, her skin or, or things like that, but she's seeing these things happen in the world around her. Um, she goes to a very culturally diverse school. Um, she has friends that are very diverse and, you know, I think maybe that the fact that they are still kids and things still feel very simple to them mm-hmm. in some ways, they can look at these things and think, why would somebody be mean to my friend? You know, why would somebody say something cruel to somebody that I care about? Right. 
you know, regardless of whether that's race or gender or sexual orientation mm-hmm. or whatever, they just see people as people still, yeah. I think, in a lot of situations mm-hmm. and um, maybe don't have some of the the biases or, you know, past experiences or things that that adults get hung up mm-hmm. on. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's something to that, that maybe childlike. Maybe we need to... Uh, be changing our podcast title to look, look to the kids. There's a couple things that, that you both highlighted and mentioned. And I opened my mouth to say something a couple times and Jen said exactly what I was wanted. So I feel like I should just sit back and just enjoy listening to you guys. You guys have so much wisdom. Um, but the, the amount of, um, of media and intake that our kids have right now, this is something that I've been thinking about recently um, and just seeing what a difference it is. I grew up in a world with TV and media being thrown at me. Um, you know, I was, um, oh, right before middle school is I think whenever like we were starting to like use Google a lot more and we were kind of getting out. So it kind of was the was one of those first kiddos, I guess, with all of that being, being kind of thrown in my face. And yet I still feel like there's so much more of it now than even when I was raised. And then, you know, than even previous generations have. And so that speaks to a lot of what you're saying with how much information kids already know, the access to violent images, the Mm -hmm. access to a lot of things that, Um, can weigh on our mental health that I think we don't even realize a lot of things that can just kind of implant in their subconscious. Um, And it just makes me really think about the conversations that we've had as we've been in high schools doing our prevention education with students. They're more aware. Mm -hmm. They know what's happening in the world. They've seen it. It's the images are embedded in their minds. And I wonder if part of that is a little bit of, of that, um, a lot of the youth that I talk to, I feel like they're very apt to like, what should I do about this? How can I be involved? What can I, let's make a change, right? They're kind of right there. Um, and then you guys were kind of talking about some of the, the conversations as families. I love your example of, okay, let's kind of sit down wherever we are, maybe get a snack. Let's talk about these things. I think that's wonderful. Um, but what what does this look like for for our future and for our kids with how much they're seeing mm-hmm. and are they able to process all that information how can we help how can we help people process all of the information and the images that they're seeing yeah is it just it's it's mostly relational right yeah well um so the podcast i was referring to earlier with the opiate action she said something really profound she said um you know our kids aren't at risk she said it is that they are potentially in at-risk environments. Mm. And so we really need to, in, in my opinion, to target our environments. You know, if our kids are spending a lot of time on the Internet, it might be a good idea for us to be intentional about connecting more. Um, it might be a good idea uh, to be intentional if we can to get them um, active outside or in sports or in other clubs or um, activities. Um, and so um, the... The, in, the access that our kids do have to the Internet, it, it, it just poses such a great risk. And now with the pandemic and, you know, school being out and we were kind of forced to stay home for our safety, I'm sure that rose quite significantly. Mm. Um, and so really, um, it's, it's going to be us being intentional about reconnecting and reconnecting in the old fashioned ways, mm. um, whether that is a game of checkers <laughs> <laughs> or um, ice cream um, with chocolate syrup um, together or, um, you know, taking a walk. I saw so many people in our neighborhoods taking walks and out with strollers and bikes. And I just was so excited about that piece. Um, But unfortunately, not everyone has the uh, access or ability to do those Mm -hmm. things. Um, And so if if we are a family who doesn't have access to just um, something we might find simple as, as just going outside and taking a walk, if nothing else, connect eye to eye with your children, Mm. connect eye to eye with your spouse, um, have a check-in conversation. I think those small things are just so vital. Ask mm-hmm. your neighbor or your best friend how they're doing. Text someone. Um, we have to connect. That's the only way our minds continue to flourish. Mm. That's one of the things that I've been trying to be more intentional about just through all of this, um, you know, reaching out to people that, you know, maybe I haven't talked to in a little while or people that I know are affected by different issues, um, 
maybe more so than I am, or, or they're just in the middle, you know, right in the middle of things. Um, and just trying to send a text and say, you know, how are you doing? I'm thinking about you. Do you need anything? Um, I picked up vegetables over the weekend and dropped some things on my neighbor's front door because she's not getting out a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just things like that. And honestly, I think it's been better for me than the person that I'm, you know, sending a text message to or whatever, because it makes me feel mm-hmm. more connected to to reach out. And I think in the the world that we live in where everything, you know, even outside of all of the things that are going on in this like instant gratification world that we live in, we forget sometimes that like that road works both ways, right? Um, you don't, you're not going to have that connection with people unless you also seek it out and and make an effort to connect with other people. Um, so we were talking early about earlier about um, you know kayaking and things like that. I joined a group on Facebook and it's been the neatest thing because I can just throw a post out and say, Hey, I'm thinking about going, you know, from this point to this point tomorrow afternoon, does anybody want to go? And so I've met several people in our city that I wouldn't have connected with, Mm -hmm. but just because I have a a medium to, to reach out and and make that um, request for connection. Mm -hmm. And so I think as, as people are getting more involved in, you know, being outdoors and, and things like that, I think, that's leading to some of that just natural connection with, we were talking about, you know, saying hi to your neighbors more often and things like that. Um, just cause we've been kind of forced into some of those spaces, mm-hmm. which again, I think, you know, maybe that's some of the silver lining that we see kind of this. Yeah. Which also makes me kind of think about too, as, as far as things that people could be doing, um, you know, we have organizations in Wichita, like bike walk, Wichita that donates bikes, and things. And so bicycles are really hard to find right now. If you can't find one, I've been looking. (laughs) If you've walked through Walmart lately, Mm -hmm. the the bike racks are empty. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, you were talking about that, you know, not every family has access to those resources and things, maybe even just looking for, um, some of those things in our community that are creating those opportunities for connection. So, Mm. you know, if your family doesn't have bikes, you know, maybe that's a way to to help connect with that or, mm-hmm. you know, just some of the other, um, physical activity types mm-hmm. of things, parks and rec is starting to open up and mm-hmm. do some different things. And so maybe as a community, you know, if you are in a position to help in some of those ways, looking into some of those different ways to help people have a, a vehicle to create those connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. So we're talking a lot about, um, connection, mental health connections. You, a lot of the, the, the things that I'm hearing in our conversation. I don't know if you listen to Brene Brown or if you oh, read love, her. love her. Yes. Everything we we're talking about earlier, you were talking about comparative suffering and then the either or dichotomy and now connection. Like I've just got Brown, but Brene Brown's voice in my head right now. Have her tattooed on me. I just know. Her face. I wish I could just keep her with me all the time. I was listening to her podcast uh, earlier today before I came here. Um, but that connection, um, I may just completely switch gears here and it's okay if we don't want to go this direction. Um, but you know we're an anti-human trafficking organization right um a lot of the intersection of what's happening right now we've got the pandemic we have a whole lot of mental health things and then relational and the connection um and then i loved the way that that you were wording you'll have to say that again for me is the um kids who aren't they're not at risk but they're potential to be in an environment that's at risk. Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So as we're kind of thinking about this whole intersection then with trafficking about what happens here for, for youth and not just for youth, but for adults too. Mm -hmm. um, Can we talk at all about what that looks like? Is that okay? If we kind of in that direction, what do you think? You know, the other resource, and we might link this into just kind of going back to the connection thing. um, When we do our next step class, um, Mm -hmm. one of the pieces that we've talked about in the past is trust-based relational intervention, which Mm -hmm. is Dr. Karen Mm -hmm. Purvis. Um, She's got a great book called The Connected Child. And I think, you know, a lot of the issues that our youth are facing, that our communities are facing, go back to Mm -hmm. that lack of connection, that lack of relational um, interaction with each other, um, including trafficking. Mm-hmm. People have this idea that somebody's rolling around in a white van, snatching kids off the street corner. And that's just not what we, what we see. Um, we see people building a relationship, exploiting a relationship, 
creating a relationship where somebody is lacking that. Um, and I would think that right now, um, we have a lot of kids that are in environments, in situations that put them greatly at risk for somebody to come along and create that, Mm -hmm. try to create that connection with them because we're all starving for it Mm -hmm. right now. At least us extroverts are. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Again, I talked earlier about having some social anxiety. I've loved being at home. (laughs) I still need connection. Mm -hmm. That's my daughter, my youngest. She's living her best life in in quarantine land. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I'm losing my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, that's kind of one of the things that I think that I have loved having you come on our um, prevention education team and, um, teach with us as well as a mental health professional. Um, and then again, this conversation we're having about connection, cause it's all just so relational, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would just add just a little bit of, of what Jen was saying. Um, as far as, you know, with the pandemic, um, and uh, the other kind of social stress that we're experiencing, again, anytime stress goes up, the likelihood of abuse will too. Mm-hmm. So not only yes. are trafficking victims going to be more at risk, but the um, abusers are going to be more likely to be more violent, um, to be more isolating. Um, they Their behaviors will increase just like anything else. Mm-hmm. And so not, a, yeah, our kids are, our, our kids are at a high risk. Um, and, and again, I think the, if we can find ways to target the environments um, and, and continue to give them great access to, um, resources, which I think Wichita does a fabulous job at doing. Um, but but I think we should also keep in mind that the perpetrators' um, behaviors and their um, violent tendencies will also increase. Mm. We've been hearing that from the domestic violence shelters mm-hmm. as well, yeah. that they're seeing an uptick in um, not only numbers, but then the intensity of the abuse yes. with um with the clients that they are serving. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, we do have so many people that, you know, maybe already were struggling or on edge. And then, you know, there's a tipping point where it, it boils over. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think we're seeing that in a lot of different areas in our community right now with, with again, everything that's just kind of flying Mm -hmm. at people constantly. Yeah. Um, you know, one or two things maybe we deal with well, but then when it's a hundred things piled on top of each other, yes, there's, there's a breaking point that happens. And unfortunately, a lot of times that results in somebody being on the receiving end of, of an abuser hitting that breaking point. Yeah. And I think we use stress as kind of like a global kind of catch all mm. um, phrase, but anytime you experience any kind of trauma and, and something like the um, killing of George Floyd is a community wide trauma. Yep. And so one trauma is likely to activate other traumas that you've experienced. And so um, mm. not only does the stress in- increase, your anxiety increases, your fear and, and helplessness increases. And so you really just have this um, kind of domino effect that we're experiencing now. And so, yes, abuse will increase, um, likely because old anger got activated, mm-hmm. um, old stressors got activated, old traumatic experiences were activated. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we're, we're, we just, we have to take care of the environment and the stress related to the environment. And hopefully that'll trickle down to, to our community members. Mm-hmm. So how are some ways that we take care of the environment? I don't know that there's more. Yeah, no. <laughs> what more can I say? How can we take care? So here's um, the majority of our listeners uh-huh. are, I think, people who desire and seek to help, who are educating themselves on a lot of the stuff that we're talking about um, and who want to jump in and help. So what are some ways that... Um, that we can try to take care of the environment as a whole. Obviously we've talked individually with our families and with our kids, right? What kind of resources, what do we have to try to take care of these environments to help, I guess, what 
slow down some of the stressors, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm just maybe speaking on a um, personal level. I think Mm -hmm. when you um, want to think about helping, we have to kind of take a meta view and then kind of bring it in. Mm -hmm. And so if you think um, holistically, you know, if you are... Um, a believer of any kind of faith mm. or or spiritually, I mean, first, I think we begin to pray for the world mm. <laughs> and for the nation. And then as we kind of bring it in closer to our communities, I think that if we know of resources, I think we help spread that the word of it. I, I think we help spread it around. I think <clears throat> when there are, excuse me, when there are moments when you are able to, um, jump in and and be a direct service and get your hands dirty. I think we do that as well. And then we trickle it further down into our homes. Mm -hmm. And then even further down where hopefully we're sending good messages to our kids that they can share with their friends. I mean, I really do think it's a trickle down effect. Um, One of the things that um, my husband and I recently started is an organization called Reach Out to Someone Else. So we call it the Rose for short. And essentially what it is, is we want to be a a financial resource to people who want mental health care but can't afford it or are are uninsured. And so essentially we just want for everyone to value the importance of of your emotional health. I think a lot of times there's a fine line between just being stressed and overwhelmed versus when it crosses over to a mental health condition. But I think if we can at least recognize stress and overwhelmed as a starting point, then we start there. Um, and I, I think if we're able to kind of nurture our minds in that way and and really kind of move away from the stigmas around mental health, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that that's a fantastic, fantastic place to start as well. Um I think as a community, I think we can be better at saying to ourselves, it's okay to be stressed and it's okay to not have all the answers and it's okay to be overwhelmed and scared and not know what to do. Um, I think that when we can accept that a little bit more as well, we can, we can start to move into a position where we can say, what can I do for myself? And when you're healthy, you will translate that health to your children and to other people. Um, and so I, I think there's many levels of what we can do to, to be helpful. Um, again, I, I really, really do think that Wichita does a fantastic job Mm -hmm. of uh, creating resources. And I think that if we can just um, get those resources a little more well known, I think that that people will have greater access to Mm -hmm. those. That's one of the things that we're trying to do with the conversations that we're having through the podcast. Mm -hmm. And then we have an app that we share with the kids when we go into the schools and we'll link that in the the notes as well. Um, I know there's some things that have come online, you know, specifically as a result of some of the the COVID-19 and things like that. Um, Friends University, their um, marriage and family therapy mm-hmm. program is, is providing um, free um, counseling sessions for people in the community. I think, nice. um, you know, it's probably a mutually beneficial thing for their students to get their clinical hours. Absolutely. And um, but there uh, will, we can link the, the resource for that. Um, you're talking about stress and that kind of being a catch-all and, um, you know, that, that we're all kind of dealing with that. I think a lot of times when people think about mental health or think about therapy, they tend to think about, um, and I can't remember where I heard this, but what they call capital T trauma versus small T trauma. So capital T being like, you know, this big thing happened and my whole life exploded. Uh Yeah. And there's so many of us that are living in little T trauma right now, because it's, it's these constant stressors that, um, you know, if you think about it, if you have a hundred dollar bill, that's the same as if somebody's like slowly dropping pennies into a jar until it reaches a hundred dollars, right? It's, you end up at the same place. It's just a different way of getting there. Mm -hmm. And I think we're really good at recognizing those, um, big life changing events. Yep. But the, the little, um, constant stream of stress and pressure and anxiety, um, we don't do such a good job of recognizing. And I think maybe that's one of the places where, um, I don't, do you have some thoughts on how to help people kind of reconcile that idea that, that it is okay to address 
that small yeah. trauma. No, I'm so glad you explained it in that way. So like a big T, um, like a um, car wreck mm-hmm. or a, a tragic death that you experience versus a small T such as um, uh, like you've had some financial stress. Um, the thing that I would suggest is that the the biggest um, decipher between if there is such a thing as between the two is how you respond to it. So even mm-hmm. if it's a small kind of daily stream of stress that you experience often, if you begin to move into symptoms such as um, it's keeping you up at night, um, it's making you more irritable, you're a little bit more snappy, your your eating habits are changing, your hygiene is changing, um, you are um, feeling more overwhelmed than normal, then what I would would what I would strongly suggest doing is just putting that in the big T category <laughs> because it mm. really determines trauma determ- is determinant on how you respond to it. Mm. And so everyone responds differently. So even if something happens that's in a maybe in a big T, mm. somebody might respond with less symptoms mm. and, than, than someone else. And so it, it's less about what the event is and it's more about your experience of it and how you how you responded to it. And so we, we really have to focus more on our reactions to the trauma mm. rather than putting it in a big T or a little T. So I'm kind of hearing some of that would have to do, would you call that like some resiliency factors kind of things? Absolutely. It's back to your environment. So the environment okay. has to be kind of where we we kind of nurture. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. One thing I did want to add, you had mentioned friends with the six free sessions. So the Rose is also um, offering six free sessions to um, anyone who, um, you know, has struggled through the current um, crisis of, of the racial um, kind of uh, social kind of factors. Um the Rose has um, just established a group of net, a network of clinicians, essentially. And so we have about 20 right now who are willing to offer up to six free sessions. I love that Friends is doing that, too. That's, That's my awesome. alma mater. And so I love them anyways. Um, but just for an additional resource, I don't think there can be enough therapists to go around to manage kind of what our communities are dealing with right now, the stress of our, our communities. Um, but yeah, so that's just another plug in there for another resource. Yeah. We'll make sure that we, we link both of those. Do you see at all a shift, um, to where people are becoming more comfortable with seeking mental health services? I think we're getting better. Um, I think, again, we still have a ways to go, but I think we're getting better. Um, I think people are recognizing, um, I think people are getting more comfortable with the idea of emotional health versus mental health, Mm. because mental health really does have a strong negative connotation. Mm. And the the initial idea is I'm not crazy and I don't want to be labeled (laughs) as that. Rightfully so. Right. We come in and we have to determine a diagnosis. But if we can focus on our emotional health or at least have a mind shift that it really is about our emotional health, then I think more people are... um, it's a little bit easier to accept because we all have emotions and we all will experience them and we all will um, have highs and lows. And and so that's a little bit more normalized than something such as um, maybe what we would consider a normal mental health condition. Hmm. So I've been really trying to use that word, use that language hmm. uh, more so than mental health. I really like the term emotional health. Hmm. Well, it trickles down to every other part of your um your experience, right? So, um, your, your physical health is, is affected by your emotional health. Um, you know, your relationships, um, how you do at work, all of those things. So, um, you know, on the outside looking in, it's, it, it's pretty easy to see that, you know, if you, if you can keep that tuned up and running well, everything else in your life is going to run better. Yeah. I think there is still a little bit of a hurdle that people need to get over sometimes to, to access that. Um, so I love that there's resources that are, especially right now that are, that are coming forward and saying, you know, Hey, things are crazy. The world is a little nutso right now. Mm -hmm. Here's some tools to help, help deal with that. And I think that's the way we need to see it is, you know, it's not, there's not something wrong with me. I'm not broken. 
the whole world is kind of broken yeah. right now. I'm trying to figure out how to deal Absolutely. with it. Yep. And yep. so if I can put some tools in my toolbox to help me do that a little bit better, then um, I think something that's something that that everybody needs. I was just having a conversation yesterday with somebody um, about that. I think everybody needs to be in therapy, you know, maybe not all the time, but from time to time throughout their lives, Absolutely. As, as things kind of ebb and flow. Um, it is, it's like, it's like maintenance on your car. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you don't mm-hmm. run around until the oil runs out. Mm-hmm. Well, Hopefully, I got scolded when I took my Jeep in to get the oil change last time. Oh, no. I was like, you know, you're really low. Like, yes, thank you. That's why I'm, I'm here, here now. I'm here now. Please don't shame me. Well, I want to brag on you then for just a minute, Jen, as uh, as my boss and as somebody who during this pandemic was continually reminding not just me, but the rest of the staff and the interns. Um, she would just put in our little message group that we have. This is a global pandemic, people. You can take a day off. Mm-hmm. You can whatever that has to look like for you. And that was a good reminder for me because um, there's so many things that I want to do and accomplish and whatever. And I was like, we got to get all this stuff done or whatever. And she's like, global pandemic. <laughs> you can calm down. It's okay. Like you need to take care of yourself. <laughs> she probably was reminding me of that. Just, you know, I don't know if I was acting, acting a little nutty, but um but I, I just want to brag on you because oh, you've you. always been that way. But then especially that comes to the forefront during this. And honestly, as an organization, I feel like we have been handling things so well. We've been on top of things. And there's I mean, there's stuff that we're we're bummed about. and We don't get to do and whatever. But we're we're coming up with creative ways to get around that and things we can be active and help the community. And a huge portion of that is because we take care of ourselves. We Mm -hmm. take care of our families. We do what we got to do. And then we get to work, right? So, yeah. Somebody was asking me about that, um, you know, how how we're handling things as an organization or, you know, if and me specifically as a leader, if there's things that, you know, I learned or, you know, something in my, my past that, you know, has kind of colored the way I react, I guess, to these things. And I think part of it, whether it's good or bad or ugly, the issue that we work in, right? When we're talking about human trafficking, this is an issue that has essentially been around since the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. We're not going to solve it in my lifetime. I wish that we could, but I think maybe just, you know, knowing that from the beginning, we've been in it for the long haul. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of helped to deal with some of the things that are going on right now, because with the pandemic stuff, with with everything else that's going on, we don't know what the time frame is. Right. Mm-hmm. So. We have to approach it like a marathon and not a sprint. Mm-hmm. So. You know, and Amber's right. I have. I've told my staff several times. First of all, your families come first. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to take care of your your kids and your families and yourselves. And work will be here. <laughs> We've got plenty got of plenty it. of work to do. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. <laughs> but you know, my my goal for us as an organization was to all be able to come through this together because every single person on our team is vitally important to what we do. So. Um, you know, I, I wanted everybody to, and still want everybody to have the flexibility to do the things that they need to do to take care of themselves because we can't run around and save the world if we can't save ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, um, I appreciate you saying that, but, um, really it's selfish. I don't want anybody to burn out and quit on me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just want to add just a little bit. So Jennifer, I think you and I have known each other for maybe five or six years, um, since the education piece started. yeah. Yeah. And, um, one of the things that I've always loved about her is not only your passion for trafficking, but just your, basic human nature and and Aww. knowing that humans, <laughs> humans my favorite podcast ever. <laughs> but just knowing that um, people need to be treated as people and mm. human and you've always just been the utmost you know the kindest person oh, I've ever met you. you have done nothing but just give back to other people and so um, I, I wouldn't expect anything less for you to say that Amber about her um, because that's just you've that's everything you've embodied since I've known you and you've not wavered um, mm-hmm. from that so thank you yeah I've I've had it modeled for me mm. with a lot of people in my life mm. and so um, it's 
I'm going to try not to cry on this podcast. <laughs> I brought some more Kleenexes for this week. <laughs> it's just such a privilege to be trusted, to be in the position that I'm in mm. and to, to have these phenomenal people that we have on our team trust me to, to lead this thing that we're trying to do, not lead them. They don't need to be led. Yeah. Um, but this, where this crazy train that we're on is going, um, to be able to lead that is a real, real honor. And I've, I've just been incredibly blessed with the team of people from our education team to our volunteers, to our staff, to our interns. Um, I just get all the best people in my world. It's pretty fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It makes it's it really easy, easy to be to kind do to do that them. when you're authentic. So mm, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's really I cool. Appreciate that. mm. <laughs> well, that's not why I, you know, invited you to come on the podcast. So I could brag on you, but absolutely any chance I get, I will brag on you. <laughs> so we probably it. need to start heading towards wrapping this conversation up. Um, my mind just has gone a million directions. That's probably evident in the rambling questions that I've had just because I feel like this is such an important issue, but it mm -hmm. feels kind of complex and big. Yeah. Um, and I've been calling it mental health the whole time, but I love the way you were describing. Let's talk about emotional health because maybe that has some less stigma mm -hmm. around it. So um, you know, we've talked about some practical ways with, with emotional health that at least individuals and then families can kind of foster some connection, right? So that's kind of where we're landing. Maybe we should kind of wrap this conversation up with, um, some of the original questions that I had just posed is, you know, what we've talked about some changes that we need to see in our community. And again, we have a wonderful community here in mm -hmm. Wichita of resources and people who are making changes, um, but how can, how can individuals support that change? So let's get into the nitty gritty of what resources do we have here in Wichita that people can be aware of and how can people support those resources? And if we don't come up with all of them today, just for our listeners, be sure you check out our show notes and we can list some really good stuff out. So you talked about the rose. Mm -hmm. Um, it's reaching out to someone else. Is reach, that correct? Uh, reach out to someone else. Reach out mm -hmm. to someone else. So yeah. we'll link, we'll link that in there too. What, what else do we have here in Wichita? Just because it's kind of at the forefront of my mind this week, um, you know, we do the the race for freedom every year. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously things are up in the air with a lot of events right now. But our beneficiary this year um, is Rise Up for Youth. Um, and they were chosen back in December, January, before everything got crazy. But um, that is an organization that I think does a phenomenal job of building connections for youth um, that are maybe in some of those environments that feel more at risk. Um, and they have really done a great job throughout this um, crazy time of, of finding creative ways to continue to stay in connection with their youth. Um, you know, things like big brothers, big sisters, again, you know, that in-person meetings were cut off with bigs and littles for a while, but that's mm. starting to open back up again. Um, just, you know, any of those, um, peer mentoring or, mm -hmm. or, um, you know, one-to-one -one mentoring type organizations that we have in our community. I think mm -hmm. those are really, really important right now mm -hmm. because it is one more person, um, you know, outside of their immediate family that they, they have a connection with and, and can stay connected with through, this time when, when school has been shut down and sports activities have been shut down and clubs and, you know, all the things that Katrina was saying earlier, here's some really great things to get your kids involved in. So many of them are not accessible right now. Mm -hmm. So I think any, anything that we can support that is, um, you know, safely keeping those connections, um, in place, I think is really, really important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I was just trying to pull up a um, a list of um, youth resources. So I'm on a um, email chain with the Youth Youth Advocacy Coalition, um, and they um, are really just a host of community members, um, and they all kind of share their um, youth resources. Um, so anywhere from youth summer programs, um, the um, uh, city parks and recs have now opened up. There's um, resources as far as like um, where the 259 meals will be, mm -hmm. um, but just a, a lot of uh, just 
things that we can keep um, families in general connected, but also to get the youth involved. Um, and so I don't know if you guys might be interested in maybe um, at least being on that resource list. That would be amazing. But yeah. I think, again, just it's, if we can work together to spread out the the information, um, I think that would help the communities um, a, as a whole for sure. So you talked about the um, the meals through two five nine, yeah, and that's something that I think a lot of times we don't really think about as being a anti-trafficking well or an emotional health oh, resource. For sure. um, because again, if we're talking about those those little T traumas mm-hmm. building up, mm. I have never been in a position. I'm going to cry again in my life where I didn't know where my kid's next meal was going to come from. Yeah. I cannot imagine the stress that that puts on a mama's heart. Yep. So mm-hmm. just knowing your kids are going to eat today, that takes one of those little tea traumas off your plate. Right. Yep. So there are, there's so many great things um, going on throughout the community that We'll definitely, in again, in the show notes, we'll put together a, a list and, and link to some of those things where people can see those and, and share those resources. Yeah, that's great. Good. Very that's cool. to this podcast. Let's start keeping track. <laughs> <laughs> I bring a Kleenex box with me every time I have Jen come and anywhere. join the conversation. Anywhere. Anytime I'm with Jen. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, very good. So we'll make sure we list all of that. Um, is there anything else that either of you just would like to share or just put out there for our listeners that um, they could be encouraged by or that you feel like is just important to know right now? Um, I think just in, in closing for me, I would just go back to the idea of being able to give yourself grace mm. and say that I'm overwhelmed or that I need to reach out to someone else and and, and speak and um, connect. Um, I think just having the courage to say uh, uh, today's rough is, is enough and a great place to start. Mm. Yeah, and I think I would just echo what Katrina said and take that grace that we're extending ourselves and extend it to other people Mm -hmm. because everybody is dealing with something and it may not look the same um, as what you're dealing with and it's not a trauma competition Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I don't want to win that competition and -hmm. nobody else does either but um, just recognizing that you know this is a it's a crazy time that I think you said this at the very top of the the episode. Nobody alive right now has dealt with anything like what's going on in our world right now. So if we can figure out how to extend a little grace to ourselves, then Mm -hmm. maybe we can extend that to the people around us as well. Sure. Sure. Yes. hundred percent. I echo both of that. You guys are fantastic. Well, thank you, Katrina. Thank you, Jen. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, For further information about ICTSOS, how you can help, donate, or become a monthly sponsor of Look for the Helpers, please visit our website, ictsos.org, where today's show notes, including resources, links, and organizations will be posted. You can also follow us on social media at ICTSOS. Thank you for listening. Wash your hands and stay safe. 